Welcome to Traveling Culturati, where we explore cultures and share travel news, travel tips, destinations, and travel chats. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Well, hey there, fellow Culturati. Javon Harley here, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. I am in my happy place. Yes, we are coming to you live from Fiji, the Fiji Islands. And when I tell you that it is absolutely true that it is where happiness lives. <laughs> it is where happiness lives. I am certainly in my happy place. We are all happy. And it's not just the sun. It's the warm people. It's the water. It is just the place itself. It's something magical about it. And when you interact with Fijians, and we are certainly having a fantastic time. We're on our own chartered ship. That's right. And we're sailing the Yasawa and the Mamanuka Islands. Oh my goodness, we are having such a fabulous time. We're all smiling, literally having a great, great time. And I am just ecstatic to be here. This is the WHUR World Tour 2020. X 2022. Yes, it's been two years coming. We were supposed to go in April of 2020, but we all know what happened. And we tried to go in 2021, but Fiji had not opened its borders. Actually, Fiji just opened their borders in December of 2021. They're about 40% back to tourism at this point, but it was just a fabulous time. It felt like family, both with the WHUR World tour family and with the Fijian people, the crew on board, Blue Lagoon Cruises, South Seas Cruises, the MV Princes were phenomenal. We had so many cultural experiences, some of which I'm going to share with you today. And I have some interviews from some of the folks who are here, some of the folks who have been traveling with Advantage International and the WHUR World Tour for years. And also some of the crew. We've had some wonderful cultural experiences through the food as well. And just learning how close to nature things are here. Fresh coconut, fresh fish. Yes, the fishing boats come up to our chartered boat and they get fresh catch of the day. How wonderful is that? Yes, we've been eating pork as well because we have the lovo, which is similar to a luau. And we've got a chance to really understand and be a part of the entire process. So we tied the boat off to a coconut tree and we went on ashore. Some of us swam ashore. Some of us took the boat ashore. And the chef and his crew dug a pit, built a fire, wrapped the meats and vegetables in coconut leaves, banana leaves, and then also covered them with palm leaves. Such a wonderful experience to be part of it from start to finish. Had also the pleasure of traveling with, for the very first time in almost two decades, Stephen Robinson, who is the Deputy General Manager for WHUR, and Angela Stribling, who we traveled with many times on the WHUR World Tour. You have to follow us on social media so that you can see 
a lot of the things that we did. So you can follow Advantage International. You can follow Traveling Culturati, W-H-U-R, H-U-R Voices. So many places. Just follow us on any of the social media channels. So without further ado, we're going to show you what happiness is all about. We are sitting on the back of the Blue Lagoon Cruise, and I'm going to call it by its official name, which is the MV princess of the Blue Lagoon Cruise, and we're sailing away, kind of hear that song in the back of my head, but we're sailing away into our next destination, and I'm sitting here chatting with the Deputy General Manager of WHUR, Stephen Robinson. Hello, Stephen, and welcome to Traveling Culturati. Thank you so much for having me, Javon. Absolutely, and I'm excited that you're here because this is the very first time we've seen each other, we've met each other in other circumstances, usually in Washington, D.C., so it's nice to be able to officially meet you and spend some time with you here in the Fiji Islands. So what has the experience been so far? It's been nothing short of amazing. In all my time at WHUR, I've always wanted to be able to go on one of these WHUR world tours. And for Fiji to be my first is a dream come true. This relationship that we have with WHUR and Advantage International and Traveling Culturati on HUR Voices, this has honestly just been an amazing time. We meet a lot of amazing people who some of the first timers all the way up to people who have traveled with Vantage International for years and just to see the smiling faces just does my heart good. It really does. The beauty of it as well is that this is a privately chartered vessel so we're the only ones on here we can make things up as we go along of course we have to clear some things with the captain but (laughs) we can make things up as we go along and we've really been having that wonderful time from sun up to sun down and you have been participating in quite a bit so we're only halfway through but what's been the top thing so far i'm amazed that we're only halfway through there's been so many activities to take part in from snorkeling to just being able to have events in the evening, the meals, all of it has been wonderful. My favorite part, hands down so far, has been swimming with the reef sharks. As soon as I heard about that opportunity, I told everybody, yes, I'm doing it. Our host, Angela Stribling, asked me, said no question about it. I will be out there swimming with the reef sharks. And that was just phenomenal to be able to get photos close with them and be in their habitat, but also understand that they're moving around and as we're swimming with them, just the opportunity to experience that part of aquatic life has been phenomenal. It really is. And I tell you, I had a bit of an experience that one swam right up to my face. And yes, I squealed. Because you kind of lose yourself in the moment as you're swimming around, you're snorkeling, you're just kind of floating around and you're checking out what's beneath you in the sea and you see these sharks swimming by and then all of a sudden there's one in your face. (laughs) So it was very interesting. I had a similar experience out there. You're watching the crew members that are out there with us and they're taking great care of us. They had some chum and you see the crew member throw out some chum and then He points, and I think he's pointing at me, and I actually realize he's pointing behind me, and as I turn around, I see a reef shark barreling right at me, but it's going for the chum, you know, and I squealed as well. I am not afraid to admit that. I squealed as well. Uh, Fortunately, it was underwater, but to see it beeline for the chum and know that everything's going to be okay, you know, the rest of the experience was just once in a lifetime. I think that's the best way to describe this trip. 
is once in a lifetime opportunity. I'm so glad to be here. Now, last night we played one of our own games after a very interesting bingo. It was a very interesting bingo, folks. Fijians play bula bingo, bingo, which is very different <laughs> than we know at church and in the states. But it was fun all the same. But we added one to see who got their black card revoked. And I can tell you, Stephen was the star because he, they had a few music questions in there that he knew and he even offered to steal a question but that's the beauty of really having your own private vessel and it's also the beauty of traveling with WHUR and the WHUR World Tour because we become a travel family and I think you get to see that here you don't always understand it until you see it and the folks just immediately gel they're WHUR listeners so you have that common thread of one the music that you love but typically you'll find that the listeners of a radio station, and in this case WHUR, will have a lot of commonality. That's the beauty of deciding to go. So if you're single, if you're a couple, everybody just gets together. Whatever your profession is, I don't think anybody says, so what do you do? (laughs) It's just a matter of, hi, thank you for coming here. We're happy we're going to have a good time, that kind of thing. So I hope to see you on other journeys for the WHUR World Tour. Javon, I hope so as well for this to be the first experience. And as you said, from us taking flight in the D.C. area and you see a group of us stand up together and you start to get names and see faces, then more people come together. And by the time I'd say first night, yeah, we were a family sitting here at dinner just enjoying everybody's company, getting to know one another. So I am truly looking forward to the next WHUR World Tour with Advantage International. Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to the next stop. We're going to tie off to a coconut tree, jump off the boat into the water and onto the island. And I will be jumping off the boat. We are about halfway through our voyage around the Fiji Islands. And I think we've been to about six so far, or at least seen six. And oh my gosh, it is so gorgeous here. Really, to wake up with the boat tied off to a coconut where you can swim ashore whenever you want. We had a full day of fun in the sun yesterday. And one thing is that we've all kind of forgotten what day it is. So that's a sign of a great vacation. But I have one of the travelers here with me and I want her to share her experience with you as well. Felicia Davis. We have a long history with Felicia Davis. I don't know, depending on how long you've been traveling with Advantage and or WHUR, the world tour, you may have called the office a time or two and spoken to Felicia, but she has moved on to some wonderful things and now she's come back to Advantage. Well, hello, Felicia, and welcome to Traveling Culturati. Hello, Javon. Thank you so much for welcoming me. It's been a fantastic trip so far. It's been an amazing adventure. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that it has been. And again, I'm really excited that you're here. What made you decide to come? I really wanted to experience Fiji for the first time because, you know, a lot of people always say how Fiji is on their bucket list of places that they wanted to go. And it truly wasn't necessarily on my bucket list. It was one of those places that I had in the back of my head. And when I seen that you guys were going I'm like hey now that seems like something that I would really enjoy so my husband and I decided that we were going to be able to take the trip take the trek 
get the time off and we have not regretted it in one moment. I mean, each and every day we're just marveling at the beauty that is this country. It's it's truly magnificent to wake up, as you said, and to crystal blue waters and see the sun rising over palm trees and coconut trees. And it's just something that you can't even experience. You can't really even say into words of how wonderful it is to just be in the moment here. That is certainly is. You hear some excitement in the background. We've tried to pick a quiet spot and moment, but unfortunately everyone's excited and we're celebrating a birthday today so everybody has started off with champagne. So you'll hear some noise in the background. So what's been your favorite part so far? Honestly, my favorite part was early this morning. My husband and I woke up in order to see the sunrise over the mountains. And one of the Blue Lagoon Cruise workers explained some of the history of Fiji. And he was telling us so many of the literal stories that they tell each other. And it was one of those moments where you're sitting there going, wow, this history and this tradition is so rich and culture and wonderful. You take advantage of the fact that they would share such personal stories with you and share what the history of the islands are and how they were formed. And I was just sitting there in awe of everything that he was saying. So really, this morning, it just kind of topped my excitement for the trip. I've been swimming in the lagoons every single day. I've been staying in the water the whole entire time. But the way that he described some of the history and the tradition of how the islands were formed and what the people are really about, it really just warmed everything about my heart even more. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for saying that because we forget about a lot of those things when you come to such a beautiful place because we're in awe of the landscape and the surroundings. And the people have just been so wonderful. The crew and the people we've met along the way. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been such an honor and a pleasure to have you on this end. Thank you. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate it. When we come back, we're going to have more with our travelers from Fiji on board the MV Princess along the Yasua and Mamanuka Islands around the Fiji Islands. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Make sure you head on over to the website, TravelingCulturati.com, because if you want to be part of the fun like we're having here in Fiji, you want to follow us, you want to join the travel club, and you have to come with, whether it's with Advantage International, Traveling Culturati, or the WHUR World Tour. We want you to be part of this fun, so make sure you head on over to the website. We finally made it to Fiji. It's been almost three years in the making. Of course, we were supposed to go in April of 2020, and we postponed to 2022. So here we are. We are coming to you live from Fiji, the Fiji Islands, and we're about halfway through our program, and it's been phenomenal. Blue Lagoon Cruises and the MV Princess has treated us very well. I'm at the bridge, and I'm looking out. I'm seeing all of the navigation, and I have the pleasure Pleasure to be joined by First Officer James. Hello, James, and welcome to Traveling Culturati. Thank you for having me. This is really special to be here (laughs) at the bridge and to see all of the navigation and to see the equipment and see that you can see us and everything that's happening as well. (laughs) 
everyone is really having a great time. So thank you so much and to the crew for the wonderful job that you're doing because everyone's really relaxing and experiencing everything. I think we've had uh, pretty good participation in just about everything that we're doing. So what has been that anticipation of our charter coming on board? Yeah, I think for us on board, uh, the Fiji Princess, this time around, like I mentioned earlier, we don't usually have people of color joining us uh, on the cruise. And for us, it is really, really special. Well, you can say black. (laughs) We identify as black or African-American. And I have to tell you, we were just as excited to know that we had a 100% Fijian crew. And so we're now calling it the 100% melanated cruise. (laughs) So we're extremely excited about that as well. How long have you been in the nautical field? I've been in this field for the past 16 years, and I've been with uh, Blue Lagoon Cruises since 2018. Okay, so your first officer, tell us what that means. First officer would be the captain's 2IC, or second in command, and I make decisions for him in his absence, and I'm also in charge of safety of operations, day-to-day operations. So has most of your experience been here in the Fiji Islands? Yes, for the most part. I've served uh, most of my sea career in the Fiji Islands. However, I did five-year stint in Southeast Asia and the Pacific region as well. Okay, and do you like it here a lot? You were here the last time we were here in February of 2020, and so I was happy to see a familiar face as well. So is this now home for you? Yes, it is. One of the main reasons I decided to um, join Blue Lagoon Cruises was uh, because I got to spend more time with family as well as visit some of the uh, more picturesque places, if you will, for lack of a better word. I think most of us here living in the islands, we don't get the opportunity to um, come and see this side of our country as well. So what has been our course, where we started, and which islands? Because there are 333 Fiji islands. Fiji is an archipelago, which means it's an island nation, but there are 333. Not all are uh, inhabited, but we are visiting quite a few on a seven-night journey. So if you can tell us a little bit about our course. Right. So for this charter in particular, we started at the northwesterly end of the chain of the Asawa group and we've since made our way up slowly towards the more upper islands up north and so at the moment we are making our way to uh, the Blue Lagoon uh, estate where we should be arriving at around one o'clock. We've since visited I believe six separate islands since we departed and we are slowly making our way up towards the other half of the cruise. So our basic course is going to take us through the Yasawa Islands and the Mamanuka. And one of the things that I love about this journey are the cultural experiences that we have as well. So it's not just staying out at sea and stopping at swim spots, but also visiting the different islands and visiting with the locals. And I hope they like seeing us as much as we like the opportunity to meet people because those cultural experiences, I think, are the things that 
that make the trip because it's not just that you're going to a destination, but you're getting an opportunity to meet some people and have those cultural exchanges. So I hope they are as excited as we are to for us to visit as we are to visit them as well. Yes, I believe that you would be correct. And like I mentioned before, I think that the local population of the villages are really thrilled as well to have people of color visiting because we've had this cruise for a very, very long time. And I think with the exception of your previous trip, we don't have many people of color visiting the villages. And I said we got feedback from the last village we visited yesterday and they were really, really excited to see so many people of color visiting. Well, we hope to bring back more (laughs) to make sure that other African-Americans know about Fiji, know about the destination and the wonderful experiences. Now, I do want to talk about some of these things that we see along the way. I didn't realize Fiji was so mountainous. And there's something that you were telling me about why we see so many of the mountains and then what happens when you get to the other side. This group of islands, the Asawas, they run a bit of a way upwards. And once we hit the Asawas from the Mamanudas, we have the option of choosing which side of the island to sail on, depending on the weather. And preferably, we choose the side which is more calmer. Yeah, this helps us give you the best experience, hopefully. And how shallow are these areas that we're going through and how is the MV Princess able to manage on this particular route? Most of the depths in this area do not exceed around 50 meters. What would that be? The equivalent of 150 feet? Yeah. Around about. And at the moment we're running over 42.4 meters of water which is somewhere around the deeper end of what we expect around these areas. And we've got the assistance of modern technology to help us. We've got some of the very latest electronic nautical charts and as well as an abundance of local knowledge because we sail these waters every other week. And the deepest parts, you said, is that northwest or further north where there's then a huge drop? Would be west of where we are currently. You were right, it was northwest of where we were earlier on, but at the moment it would be west of us. And then what depth are we talking about? The depths drop right down to 4,000 meters, which would be the equivalent to 4 kilometers. That's a huge difference. Was this a volcanic eruption, do you think? Possibly, possibly. It seems like we're on some type of ledge, if you will, that extends the whole of the Asawas connecting with the main islands. So from here towards the main islands. If Theoretically, if the water had to drop by around about 150 feet, it would all be dry land. And what type of vessel are we on? Because it looks like a very large catamaran to me, in my layman terms, that's what I will call it. But what type of vessel are we on? I think we're pretty much spot on. It is an aluminum catamaran. And we have 34 cabins on board, so it's very intimate. It's a very casual ship, if you will. And so would you call it a ship? Yeah, you could call it that. You could call it that. So it's it's a very small vessel. It does have the two blades like a catamaran, and that's why I said the catamaran. And it does allow us to go to these smaller 
islands. And so we're headed to the Blue Lagoon private island where we're going to tie off to a coconut <laughs> tree <laughs> and have a day of fun there. So I'm looking forward to that. Thank you so much for chatting with me now. And we have a few more days on board. I can't believe we're only halfway through having a blast and looking forward to the next few days that we'll have with you all. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. All right. We are at about day three, I think, and we're losing track of time, which basically means we're having a great time. Anytime you are on vacation and you lose track of time, it means that you don't care what time it is. You just want to get up when the sun comes up and have a wonderful time. And we're in a beautiful place. So we are on the WHUR World Tour to Fiji. We are in Fiji cruising around the islands. We're on our own private vessel, and that in itself makes it a wonderful, wonderful trip. And I have the honor of speaking with a longtime Advantage International traveler and a longtime WHUR listener and traveler, Renee Deans. Hey, Renee, and welcome to Fiji. Hi, Javon. Thank you. What made me take this trip is I was wondering, you hear about it on the prices, right? You hear here and you see everybody winning trips. I said, I have to come see what Fiji is about. And Fiji is about loving yourself, enjoying yourself, and just having that time for serenity. Well, this trip was a long time in the making because we started in 2020. And you signed up for the original trip in April of 2020, but a month before we were to depart, of course, we all know what happened. The world shut down pretty much. And you said, I want to go. So whenever you go, I want to go. So what was the catalyst of saying, whenever you go, I'm going to go, whether it's 2021 or 2022? I just had to go. It was no question about it. If I had to charge it, it was charged. (laughs) So you just have to make your mind up to say, I want to do this. I want to see the world. I have to go. So you have to put your foot in there, save your money, and just go. Do yourself. Do you, (laughs) (laughs) boo-boo. Absolutely. Well, the other thing is that we've had some wonderful experiences. One of the things I love about the Blue Lagoon Cruises and this particular charter that we do is that it's really about that cultural experience. We have a 100% Fijian crew, and we're just loving the crew here they are wonderful but we have the island visits we've gone to church on sunday and we've also of course this is an aquatic type of destination because we're talking about the fiji islands and we've had two snorkel experiences that you've gone on both of them correct uh and one was swimming with the sharks that was yesterday how was that experience Swimming with the sharks was wonderful. You get to touch the sharks. They're not large, so they're not going to bite. So it's just great. It's just great. It's eye-opening. It's just being aware of nature and things like that, especially the corals. The corals are magnificent. You see the starfish. You see everything live. It's just beautiful. You can try to imagine it, but you have to experience it. And today's snorkel experience, you all came back just glowing and with such excitement talking about the things that you saw. So how did that differ from swimming with the sharks? Well, the sharks, they come up close to you, so it kind of startle you, but they're not going to do anything. They just want some food to eat that we're going to feed them and that's it. So they'll come near you. And you can touch them so they're docile. It's great. It's great. It's an experience that you could never imagine. 
and all sharks don't bite. <laughs> well, these didn't. And one of the things that I asked our captain and our crew here when we went out to swim with the sharks is, we're not the first tourists they've seen in three years, is it? <laughs> Because we need to make sure they're acclimated to people being in this environment. They are reef sharks, and we have the crew that's with us, and it's a very safe environment, and they tell us the do's and the don'ts, and we had a wonderful time, and we were all just so excited to be in this space. One swam right up to my face, and I squealed, I'll admit, I squealed, (laughs) and I actually think our videographer got it on camera, and the sound too, I had to crack up, because it just wasn't expecting it. I think it was maybe four feet, four or five feet long, some were smaller than others. They're yellow in color, and they have black tips, and they're reef sharks. So they're pretty, I'm I'm not going to use the word tame, but they're pretty calm, and they did, they were just swimming around above and below us. Between us two. (laughs) Anything else you would say about being here in Fiji? Whenever Advantage International, which does a marvelous job, they take care of you from the minute they see you till you go home. They make sure you're not left behind. They make sure you're well taken care of. And this is the only black company I travel with. Honey, you better get on board with them because you are missing the world and missing all of the opportunities that are included in your package. So if you don't do this with this group here, Advantage International, honey, you're missing the world. You're going to pay millions, but you're not paying it with Advantage International. (laughs) Well, folks, I did not pay her for that endorsement. No, you did not. I know that. I know. No, you don't have to pay me to say anything like that. But, Renee, you have been traveling with us for many years. I think it's close to 15 because we were talking about some of the trips that you've taken with us and some of the wonderful experiences that we have. And Renee has a vivid memory. So maybe on another show, we'll talk about the different trips that we've taken. And she too catalogs her journeys. She does an excellent job with video and photography. You do usually put together a really nice video and compilation of your images to share with the group as well. And that's always a nice touch too. My mantra is save your money go on the trip, take plenty of pictures. Plenty, plenty, plenty. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me now, and thank you so much for coming here to this beautiful place of Fiji, folks. We are sitting on the back of the vessel, and we are sailing from our snorkeling and swimming stop to the island, and it is absolutely beautiful, and we feel like we're just kind of at sea. (laughs) It's such a wonderful experience. And again, you're going to get to see some of the images and some of the things that we've done. We're sending back images to our social media manager so you can see them there. So I hope you'll join us on the next one. Don't know when we're coming back to Fiji, but this is one (laughs) awesome experience. Bulevanak, everyone. My name is Rob. I am from the UK, but I've been living on that island for basically four and a half years, almost five years. I am a marine biologist. There's a resort on this island, Barefoot Manta Resort, which is where I work. Um, The two things that we do a lot of conservation focus on, corals and manta rays. Corals are obviously beautiful, colorful. They are definitely one of my favorite things, but mantas are very special as well. So today I'll be talking to you guys about the local regional manta ray population. I'll cover a few things in this presentation. I'll start by talking about what kind of animals manta rays are, how we classify them, 
some of their features. I'll talk about the different behaviors that we see when we witness them in the wild, how they feed, how they reproduce. Um, there's cleaning behavior as well. They use other fish to clean them, so I'll talk a bit about that. I'll also talk about some of the conservation issues, some of the threats that these species face. And at the end, I'll talk a bit about the conservation work that we're doing about the research program and where we're heading in the future. So, if we ask the question, what are manta rays? Well, they are a type of fish. And if you look in the evolutionary history of fishes, there was a split. One branch developed a skeleton made of cartilage, and the other branch developed a skeleton made of bone. So if you think of all the reef fish out here, or all the fish that you would eat at a restaurant, they would fall under the category of bony fish. Their skeletons are made of bone, like us. But these guys, the cartilaginous fish, their skeleton is made out of the same material as our ears and our nose. Cartilage, it's very springy, it's very lightweight. And these fishes, basically all the cartilaginous fishes, includes all sharks, all rays, and a few other things, chimeras, dogfish, things like that. They're very old, they date around 420 million years old, the earliest signs of them in the fossil record. And besides their skeleton being different than bony fish, they also have a few differences as well. First of all, they reproduce internally, so the sperm and the eggs fertilize inside the females as opposed to outside the bodies like most bony fish. Um, they also have a different number of gill slits. So these guys have between five and seven gill slits. Bony fish typically have one. And many of these species are very much unchanged for hundreds of millions of years. We've got a ray species here, the thornback ray. And um, while cartilage doesn't usually fossilize very well, there are some well-preserved indentations in clay-like sediments, and these give us some really well-preserved fossils. So this is a very similar species as the one we have alive today, but it dates back 160 million years old. So similar to things like crocodiles, they haven't changed a lot, which obviously shows how successful they are fitting into their ecosystem. Rays are basically like flat sharks. If someone has compressed the shark and splayed it out so that its body forms either a disc or a sort of a diamond shaped, now you're starting to get into the territory of rays. Sharks obviously propel themselves with their tail. Rays, on the other hand, will either beat their body up and down like wings or they will undulate that disc. And we have a few different varieties. We've got things like skates. There's about 260 species of those. We've got stingrays. Some of you guys may have heard about stingrays after Steve Irwin, that Australian wildlife journalist, went and decided to hug one, and it stung him in the heart, and then they pulled out the barb, and stingray barbs actually have a load of back-facing needles, so it ended up taking out a load of his chest cavity, and he bled out, which is really, really not very pleasant for him. He used to wrestle with crocodiles and venomous snakes, so I'm very surprised it was the stingray that got him, just to give you a statistic on how rare it is to die from a stingray sting. Only two people have died from stingray stings in Australian waters since 1945, and the world's most famous animal journalist at the time was one of them. So they're not very dangerous at all. Don't worry about them. Things like the electric rays are also very interesting. These guys can produce hundreds of volts of electric current to shock their prey. And things like the eagle rays, they're very impressive as well have a very long tail and they can actually jump clean out of the water maybe as high as this ceiling if the water surface was the floor they can get as high as the ceiling if if they've got a bit of momentum and these things are really weird these are the last kind of rays i'll talk about so these guitar fishes and for a long time scientists didn't know are they more like the sharks or are they more like the rays it's a fair question if you look at the back half very much looks like the body of a shark but the front half still looks like a ray 
So until recently it wasn't known, but genetic evidence shows that they are closer to rays. And if you look at all of these guys, most of them will have a mouth on their underside, and they spend the majority of their time on the seafloor, either over sand or over soft sediment, clay, mud, things like that. And they're hunting things like crabs and fish that live and hide in the sediment beneath them. Now we have a few species that have developed a different foraging strategy. They don't have their mouth on the underside, they have their mouth on the front. And as a result, they spend much more time up in the open ocean and they very rarely actually come to the bottom. They may do just a sort of bump into the sand to clean parasites off themselves, but it's a very rare behavior. These species are called devil rays. We call them that because if you look at their head, they've got two projections which come off either side, little horn-like projections. We call those cephalic lobes, cephalic meaning of the head. And these guys, mouth on the front, they swim through a big cloud of plankton and they collect it in their gills and then they will eventually swallow it from there. We also call them mobular rays, and of these 10 species of mobular rays, there are two which are very interesting to us, which are the manta rays, so I'll come on to those in just a second. All of these 10 species of mobulars are very relatively recent compared to the rest of the rays, only 20 million years old. <laughs> Humans are 2.5 million years old, so they're much older than us, but compared to the rest of their ancestors, they're relatively young. The other defining feature of the devil rays and the mobular rays is the size of their brain mass relative to their total body mass, and it is the highest of any fish. So as a result, these guys are the most intelligent fish in the ocean. Just in case some of you were thinking, what about dolphins? Please remember dolphins are in fact mammals, not fish. The most intelligent fish in the ocean are the two manta species. We've answered the questions, what are manta rays? They are cartilaginous fish, they are rays, they are mobular rays. And then we have two species of mantas. Until 2009, it was thought that there was only one species, but that was then reclassified that recently, 2009, not being that long ago. We've got the reef manta ray, and we've got the oceanic manta ray. So the oceanics are ridiculously big. They are seven meters across when they are fully grown. So the reef mantas are slightly smaller, only four meters across, so pretty big. I'm six foot three, so a reef manta is twice my height <laughs> wide. <laughs> The other difference between the two of them is the habitat that they will navigate across. Oceanics will swim from one island chain across an open ocean thousands and thousands of miles to another set of islands. We've got migration routes from Mozambique going across the Indian Ocean, stopping off in the Maldives and ending up in Indonesia or the Philippines, something like that. Reef mantas don't quite swim as far. They only will stay within a set of islands. So the reef mantas that we've identified in Fiji will not be swimming across the Tonga or Vanuatu or Australia or any of the islands in this part of the South Pacific. But even within countries like Fiji, there are quite long migrations that have been recorded. The longest recorded migration of a manta ray in Fiji is just over 500 kilometers. So I think that's around about 300 miles. The longest oceanic migration to Fiji was one that was tagged in the northern tip of New Zealand and swam to Fiji in three days. So it was probably just stopping off in Fiji and then going off somewhere else. The tag popped off when it was in Fiji, but just to give you an, an indication of how far they're swimming. So I'm gonna finish up by talking about our research. Manta Trust is a global organization. They are originally um, registered in the UK, but they have sites all over the world. Their main sites are in the Maldives, the Seychelles, Mexico, Indonesia, Australia. And there is a scientist in Fiji who is a representative of Manta Trust He's a guy called Luke Gordon, also from the UK like myself, and he has established Manta Project Fiji as an affiliate of Manta Trust. Manta Project Fiji has data collection sites here in the Asawas, down in Kandavu, which is one of the southernmost islands I mentioned earlier, over on the eastern side of the mainland as well. And bit by bit, there are 
various citizen scientists and dive shops and sailboats that go around the country and contribute to the data collection as well. At our site and that channel over there, we have been going out every day between March and October every year since 2013. And we spend an hour in the water at high tide, whether mantas are there or not. We are recording the environmental conditions such as the temperature, the weather, the current direction, the amount of plankton in the water. We're also recording the human activity, the tourism there. And for any mantas we see, we are trying to get the IDs, as this photo shows, that beautiful spot pattern on the underside. That as I previously mentioned, is like their fingerprint, so that allows us to regularly check, oh, we've seen that one before, we saw it two months ago, or we saw it three years ago, or we saw it whenever, or we've never seen that one before, that is a new one to our database. So for that site, we have 118, I think, individuals that we have identified in that channel alone. Countrywide, there's about, I think it's 409 latest count. This is just reef mantas. There has also been two sightings of oceanic mantas in that channel, April and September 2020. And oceanic mantas were discovered by this guy, Luke Gordon, in Fiji, in Suva Harbor in 2018. So prior to 2018, it wasn't understood. It hadn't been scientifically confirmed that there were the two species of mantas found here. It was only thought that there was the reef mantas, but there are oceanics in Fiji. And Manta Project Fiji has also been the first organization to run acoustic tagging projects and satellite tagging projects of mantas and so we are starting to build up a much more detailed picture of population sizes population dynamics migration routes and generally getting a better pattern of how these species utilize these islands and behave so some very exciting stuff we're very much on the front line of understanding these amazing animals but there's a lot of exciting findings so far and a lot of very cool stuff on the horizon, I'm sure. When we come back, we'll have the culture report. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Head on over to that website, TravelingCulturati.com, and maybe you'll be on one of the trips with us so that you can give a shout out to your loved ones back home, gaining some of those bragging rights. I tell you, I am sun-kissed. <laughs> I just love my complexion right now. A little tan. Yes, having a great time. Culture is forever changing and reflecting what's happening in the society and with its people. It can be born from the arts, music, food, and sometimes politics and strife. This is the Culture Report. We're still in Fiji, yes, and it is another gorgeous day. And actually, we're nearing the end of our seven-night Blue Lagoon cruise aboard the MV Princess. And we've had such a a wonderful and cultural experience and one way to get a cultural experience is through food and we have certainly done that we have of course had your regular continental or international cuisine but we've also had the pleasure of having some Fijian cuisine both on land as well as on board the princess and so joining me right now is Weiss who is the sous chef on board the MV Princess. Hello, Weiss, and welcome to Traveling Culturati. 
And what did you just say? It's like saying hi or hello. Okay, so Bula Vinaka, hello and thank you. So yes, it's been a pleasure and it's been a pleasure tasting some Fijian cuisine. So that's really what I want to talk about because one of the things I love is that you have some of the freshest items that come on board. So do you work with local fishermen and local islanders to get the foods that you bring on board for some of our meals? Yes, ma'am. In Fiji, like we work with the local fishermen, farmers, just to use uh, local produce while we are in our kitchen. And for us to display our dishes, instead of bringing the ones from overseas, at this point of time, we're using the ones that we grow in Fiji. And I tell you, it is absolutely the freshest. What are some of the fish that we've had that you've bought from some of the local fishermen to bring on board? Because we've had fish several nights of the week. We had Spanish mackerel. We call that walu and wahoo and some of the red snappers. And for walu, we were using that for coconda, which was marinated in lemon juice and coconut cream. Similar to Mexican ceviche, the only difference is that we use a fresh coconut. We scrape it and we, and we skin it. We squeeze the thickest part of the coconut to add into the fish dish. Does it matter if you're using the brown coconut or the green coconut for? It has to be a brown coconut. And what's the difference between the brown coconut and the green coconut? The green coconut is more like a fruit because you drink the juice and you eat the flesh. For the brown coconuts, the green ones. For the brown coconuts, we scrape it. The flesh is, is hard. Okay, so the brown is a harder and you scrape it like shavings. And then the green is, the flesh is softer. You can peel it out with your hand, with your thumb. Now, is there a difference in the taste between the brown and the green? Yes, ma'am. The green ones are more lighter than the, the brown ones. The brown ones, more we use in cooking than eating it. The last two days I did that for canopy. I chopped the coconut into two and I peel it off with a knife and I put it in the oven. So I oven bake the coconuts for canopies. But for the green ones, we just chop off the head and we use the coconut juice for drinking and the flesh we can eat it. Once it goes in your mouth, it's like marshmallow, it melts down. Yeah, we had a wonderful demonstration on island with Damien who showed us the difference between the two and also how to husk a coconut. It was very interesting because in the States, we buy our coconut in the grocery store so we don't get a chance to see it straight from the tree and how it is husked from the outside in. So that was very interesting. You got to have a very sharp uh, rod or a very sharp knife to peel it off. Once you ask the coconut, you have to stem the rod near close to the coconut tree and you ask the coconut. It's quite a difficult job to do, but for the villagers, they're used to it. And I understand coconut husking is something that the ladies do. Yeah, fortunately. Because the ladies are one of the ones in the village that are doing the cooking, not the men. So the ladies have to ask the coconut, grate them, squeeze them, and do the last part of it in adding into the dish. I see. So you were saying the fish that you use for what you call ceviche. What is the name of that dish again? Coconda. Coconda. And it's with the coconut and some lime where the ceviche is really just with the lime. And so tell me more about the fish that you use there. Is it from the local waters, particular parts of the island? How big is it? So if you can tell me a little bit more about that fish. The fish we use for coconda, it's more like Spanish mackerel and it's caught from the fishermen that goes on the deep waters. So in marinating the fish, we bring it in, we fill it the flesh. We chop it up into cubes and we marinate it with lemon juice overnight. It has to be overnight. 
and in the morning we squeeze up the coconut cream and we thoroughly wash the fish. In uh, marinating the fish we add a handful of salt just to keep the fish together because we already filled it from the bones and we have to add the salt just to keep the cubes right through that night. When we finish with the dishes we have to thoroughly wash with fresh water so the salt has to come out. Then we add the coconut cream, some of these vegetables to garnish the coconut with a little bit of chili just to give it a kick and a little bit more lemon juice. I tell you folks, it is absolutely divine. And we had a fantastic seafood dinner last night in one of the villages. And I saw you on board, so I think you had a hand in that. And there were some very local seafood dishes. What were some of those local seafood dishes? First of all, that was my village. That's why I went to the village to work with the ladies that were cooking. And we had eggplant with tuna. We had sea clams and some seashells and all the coconut crabs and uh, steamed fish with coconut cream. When I went there to see them, they were cleaning it. So I helped them in cooking it before you came in for dinner. So as soon as we put them all in trays, everything was ready. We were ready for that uh, cover ceremony. Now there was one dish that was inside of a crab shell and it was mixed with some kind of cream and I believe it was crab. That was Everyone loved that. That was really wonderful. What was that crab dish? They caught the crab, they washed the crab, and they steam it with popo leaf. Not wara, but popo leaf. Once they steam it, when it's cooked, they just took out the flesh and used that shell to bind the, the flesh and with uh, coconut cream. It was absolutely divine. And what kind of crab is that? It's, it's different from mud crab because they were small. The mud crabs are a bit bigger. Those are the coconut crab that sticks near to the coconut trees. Do these crabs live in the water or? They live on, uh, on shore. So they live on shore, but they're not the mud crabs. And they were very small. The bodies were very small, but you could scoop out the ingredients, the crab and the coconut cream. And so you said the leaf was the papua leaf? leaf. And what would you compare that to as far as like a coconut tree or palm leaves? Mostly they use purple leaf. It goes more water into it. Not a coconut leaf, not any other leaf from any, any other tree. It's a purple leaf that it got that, that amount of water to steam off the crib. One of the other things that we did was we had a Lovo, your barbecue. So let's talk about that because that's quite a process. The whole ceremony and process surrounding Lovo. To make a Lovo is quite a big job to prepare the Lovo and to prepare the food that we put in the pit. Like on Tuesday we had a leg of pork, some beef, chicken and palusami. Palusami is a dalo leaf and we fold it with a coconut cream. And to do that it's quite a great uh, coconut and we squeeze the coconut we have to keep that coconut cream with uh, onions, tomato. For the ones that were cooking in the village, mostly they use seawater for salt. So for us here in, uh, in this vessel, we were bringing some salt from mainland and we combine them together and we foil it with foil and we put it in the pit. So in making the lobo, it takes us three hours to cook the food in that pit. So after the three hours, we uncover the pit and we set the tables for dinner. Now, the pit is actually in the ground, yep. so 
the process of wrapping not just the meat, but the vegetables and everything that we had. So let's talk a little bit more about that, where the pit is, the tradition of the pit, and then creating the stove, but also when it's all ready. Preparing the pit it takes a while because you have to look for firewood and uh, you look for rocks and bring them together and pile them together. Pile the firewood, then you put the rocks on top. Yeah, it takes, maybe it takes you two hours because you're going to be looking for firewood and the rocks and bring them together and pile them. So once you're done with it, then you wrap up the food. You peel off the dalo, you peel off the cassava, wash them and keep them ready to go to the pit. So in lighting the pit, you have to light the firewood. The stone has to be really red. It has to be something like that. So once the firewood gets down into ashes, then we clear that firewood, the pieces of the firewood, then we level the stones, the rocks, then we put some of these coconut leaves, some of the banana leaves, so the banana stems, then we put the food into it. It takes a while. It's a lot of job to be done and preparing that. The last thing is that for people to enjoy it. Well, I can tell you, when he says there's a lot to be done, we watched the entire process. They invited us to be a part of it all. So watching them dig the pit, having the wood and the coals ready, wrapping the meats and the vegetables, putting it all in and then covering it over with palm leaves and then some special tarp and then more of the dirt to go back on top. But the food doesn't get dirty. Everything is protected. And it's very similar if you've been to Hawaii and you've seen a luau. It's a little similar to that, but it's a lot more ingredients on the menu. And we're just so privy to be a part of the whole process because a lot of times you don't get to see the entire process. So tell me something. What is your favorite Fijian dish? For me, it's more like polusami. The banana, the taro leaves are wrapped in coconut leaf and coconut cream and onion tomorrow. So for us Fijians, once we into a big function, you can add meat into that. It has to be corned beef or corn mutton and we wrap it together and put it into the pit. But for us, in a tourism commercial kitchen, we're using foil now to wrap all the food. But mostly in the village, we use another type of taro leaf, which is ronivia, to wrap all the food. Just because of hygienic safety, we're using foil to cover the food into the pit. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Anything else you'd like to say about Fijian culture, especially through food? Just from my side, you are most welcome to come in again. Your friends back home to come to BLC or Fiji Princess. It's so great to help you guys, to save you guys while we on a seven-day cruise. For the culinary side, there's more in our kitchen. As always, we say that when you come into the vessel, we'll treat you like a queen or like a king. Thank you so much for introducing us to Fijian cuisine. Well, that's it for the show today. Wherever you go, go with all your heart. Confucius. Ladies and gentlemen. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information.